So I loved superheroes growing up. So naturally, when Pixar released a movie about superheroes on my birthday, of course, I had to go. So The Incredibles came out on November 5th, 2004. That was my ninth birthday. And I remember my mama taking me to see uh, The Incredibles. And I think that's why of all the great Pixar movies that The Incredibles is my favorite movie. And so if you haven't seen it, I want to just catch you up real quick so that we're all on the same page here. So you've got Bob Parr and his wife, Helen, and they're the world's greatest superheroes, consistently saving the world on a daily basis. That is until 15 years into their superhero run, public opinion begins to change on superheroes based on the collateral damage that they've caused. So, so all super, super powered people are forced to, to hang up the tights and to retire. So Bob and his wife and their, their three kids, Violet, Dash, and Jack, Jack, all retire and, and try their best to fit into society and not use their powers. However, the dad, Bob, he is unfulfilled with his life having power and being restricted and using it and not being able to use his powers to save the world. But he gets his chance when he gets this mysterious call to this remote island. And then sure enough, he, he begins to realize that the crisis or that the enemy at hand is too big just for him. And it's going to require a whole family to band together and fight the forces of evil. It's going to take the whole family working together to save the world. And as you saw in that clip, each of them has extraordinary powers and abilities, but apart in that scenario, they were all uh, unable to save Jack-Jack, right? But it wasn't until they began acting as a team, right? And, and cooperating together and, and using their powers collectively as a family, as one body, using their gifts, that's when they were able to stop syndrome and save each other. And so this morning, we are starting a new series here at Rooftop Church called The Gospel According to Pixar. Now, this is very different than what we have been studying uh, for the past 10 months. So if you've been with us, you, you were with us through a 10-month study through the book of Isaiah. So you may be wondering, why are we doing a series on Pixar? Well, it's our goal here at Rooftop to help you follow Christ in the world. The Bible says that we should be in the world, but not of the world, right? And so uh, one of the things that the world likes to do is make and watch movies. And some of them are really good, and they've got important ideas that we here at Rooftop think that we should think about and talk about. So for the past 25 years, as long as I have been alive, Pixar has been making some of our favorite movies. And so these movies aren't necessarily Christian movies, but they have some great themes in them that are Christian. And the Apostle Paul tells us anything that is true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, or excellent, we should think about these things. So that's what we're going to do over the next couple of months. We're going to think about and talk about some of these things, and we're going to have some fun doing it. Amen? 
So the first movie that we're diving into this morning is The Incredibles, right? And there are so many just amazing uh, themes and messages that I could have pulled just from this movie. We could have talked about family, right? We could have talked about family roles, family dynamics. Uh, we could have talked about work-life balance, the importance of having a healthy work-life balance, doing your work well, but, but loving your family. Uh, we could have just talked about, Matt pointed this out, we could have just talked about syndrome, right? His character is, is, is uh, very relatable in a lot of ways because he starts out wanting to be a superhero, uh, but then he's rejected. And then he lets that rejection uh, well up and, and it turns into bitterness. And then because of that bitterness, he actually becomes a villain. Could have talked about that. There are so many great themes, but the one that I want to talk about particularly, particularly this morning is superpowers, right? So in, in church world, we call these powers spiritual gifts. And I, I know a couple of you guys squirmed in your seats a little bit when I said spiritual gifts, right? Well, I want to talk about those this morning, and I believe just because something's supernatural doesn't mean it has to be super spooky, amen? So let's, let's dive into it a little bit more. But as a kid, I love superheroes, right? I was a dorky kid, and I was actually pretty sickly as a kid, so I was restricted in the amount of physical activity um, that I could do. And so I spent most of my days, I'd spend hours reading comic books and, and watching superhero movies and playing with action figures. And I especially love Spider-Man, right? Anybody else? I love Spider-Man uh, as a kid. So Peter Parker, a.k.a. Spider-Man, he was also a dorky kid like me, but secretly, right, he had these powers, and he would use his superpowers of, of slinging webs and, and, and sticking to walls and super strength. He would use his gifts for the common good to help save the world, and sometimes the, the threat was too big for just Spider-Man, so he had a band together with other heroes, uh, like in the Avengers. You see him working alongside Captain America and some other superheroes. And so as a kid, I wanted to be Spider-Man, right? Uh, I think deep down, all of us, right, we all kind of want to be Spider-Man. Uh, we watch the movies like The Incredibles and The Avengers, and, and we want to be special, right? We want to be incredible, we want to fight for something bigger than ourselves, right? We want to fight against the forces of evil and fight for good. And no, we can't swing uh, from webs through Manhattan like Spider-Man or throw cars um, like Mr. Incredible. But God has done something incredible for you. And that is send his Holy Spirit as a gift to edify, to exhort, and to empower you. So let's go to one of my favorite books of the Bible. We're going to go to Acts. Acts, we're going to be in Acts chapter 1. And so before I read this, I just want to say, uh, maybe this is your first time in church or first time in church in a while. Um, we're big Jesus people here at Rooftop, right? Big Jesus people, can we get an amen? A holla at your boy for Jesus. Come on, let's give Jesus a hand clap. So here's why we love Jesus so much. So Jesus came, he's the son of God, um, and he came and he lived a sinless perfect life doing for us what we could not do for ourselves. We could not possibly work our way to heaven or be good enough. Um, and so Christ comes and he lives this sinless, perfect life. And then he dies on the cross 
for, for the sins of the world. And then he didn't stay dead, amen, but he rose three days later, come on somebody, and, and sin now has no hold on us, and death now has no claim on us. So we get excited here at church, we sing songs, we raise our hands, and we get together and we talk about Pixar movies, all in the name of Jesus, amen? And so Jesus, at this point, right before this, he has just been crucified, he has been risen, and and he's about to ascend to heaven, but before he goes, he commissions his disciples to make disciples of all nations, to go out and preach the gospel. Well, who are his disciples? Well, while here on his earthly ministry, Jesus selected 12 guys whom he poured into, whom he developed, whom he taught the gospel of Jesus Christ, which is we are saved by grace through faith when we put our faith, hope, and trust in him. And so he tells them now to go and take this to the whole world. So keep in mind, though, we have enough scholarly evidence to believe that most of the disciples were teenage boys. Not 40-year-old men like you see in most paintings, but teenage boys. So Jesus just told, just commissions a group of teenage boys to go out into the world and teach the whole world about Jesus. Have you ever met a teenage boy, all right? This is an extremely daunting task. So he tells them, go out and make disciples of all nations. And I'm sure they're like, okay. How? How do we do this? So here's where we're going to pick up the story. Acts chapter 1, verses 5. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Let's skip down to verse 8. But you will receive power. Someone say power. When the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and to the end of the earth. What's he saying here? In order to accomplish the task that God has given them, they will first be baptized in the Holy Spirit and receive power. Someone say power. So later as they began to, to preach, Peter is teaching and this is what he says in the book of Acts, repent. And let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remissions of sin, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is a gift of power that we receive not by a spider bite, right, or or gamma radiation, but we uh, receive this power by repenting of our sins and believing in Jesus Christ. So if you are a follower of Jesus this morning... I want to tell you, you are incredible because God has given you an incredible gift, his spirit to live and dwell within you. So his spirit within us as followers of Jesus does a lot of things. And I want to look at two of those things this morning. First, his spirit sanctifies. So sanctification is just a big word for God freeing us of sin and making us holy. So sanctification is the process of becoming like Jesus and making us holy. Here's what Paul says in Galatians. Walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the desires of the flesh. Romans says this, for if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if you live by the spirit, you put to death the deeds of the body and you will live. So what does this mean? The Holy Spirit gives us power to be like Jesus. The Holy Spirit gives us power to resist temptation. The Holy Spirit gives us power to put to death 
the desires of the flesh, the evil desires, the desires that are opposed to God, to put those to death within us. So if you want to live, how many of y'all want to, want to live a Christ-centered life, resisting temptation, and live a life pleasing to God? How many? Let's, let's see. Even atheists, just put your hand up. It'll go faster. <laughs> well, you have to be baptized in the Holy Spirit and live a life dependent upon the Spirit. The second thing is this, the Holy Spirit equips us. So if you don't remember anything else I say, I know today's a big day, it's 4th of July, you got the grill waiting for you at home, you got fireworks to go to. Remember this, the Holy Spirit first sanctifies us, makes us like Christ, makes us holy, and second, it equips us, right? So it sanctifies us and it equips us. The Spirit of God equips us to do what? To build up His church by giving us spiritual gifts. And again, I know some of you are a little uneasy perhaps with that term. This is the aspect of God that freaks us out a bit if you're a follower of Jesus. But the Spirit of God dwells within us and God has given you, biblically we know, God has given you, if you are a follower of Jesus, at least one spiritual gift. And these gifts aren't for your own benefit, although they do personally edify. They are to build up the church. They are to, they are given to you to work alongside other believers to put on the red tights, right? Like the Incredibles and band together as a family using your powers together in the body of Christ. And whenever you discover what your spiritual gift is, you're going to see amazing growth happen in your life and in the life of the church. So what are the gifts? I want to talk about the gifts as they are laid out in scripture, so most scholars will point to, to uh, uh, f- there's at least four passages when referencing spiritual gifts. We don't have time to read all of them or get into all of them. I just want to say, if you're taking notes, I'll list them off. There's 1 Corinthians 12, 7 through 10, Isaiah 11, 2 through 3. There's Ephesians chapter 4, verses 7 through 13. In Romans 12, verses 3 through 8. So here, that, that is just a, a list of where I have pulled these from. So we're going to go through the gifts. Uh, and this reveals the diversity of ways, right, that, that God's Spirit empowers us as believers for life, service to others, and service to Him. So again, we don't have time to get into all of them. Uh, maybe with your help, I can convince Pastor Matt to do a series just on the spiritual gifts, right? Amen. Amen. Maybe. So... The gift of wisdom, the gift of knowledge, the gift of faith, the gift of healing, the gift of miracles, the gift of prophecy, the gift of discerning spirits, the gift of tongues, the gift of interpreting tongues, the gift of administration, the gift of helps, the gift of exhortation, the gift of leadership, and the gift of teaching. Some of you are like, honey, I thought this was a non-denominational church. Where are we at? So Rooftop's official stance on the spiritual gifts is this. The Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, convicts the world of sin and draws people to Christ. There's that sanctification. He also indwells all believers. He's available to empower them to live Christ-like lives and gives them spiritual gifts with which to serve the church and reach out to a lost and needy world. There's that equipping. So the gifts are given by God to serve the church and to reach 
a lost and needy world. I've had so many great conversations with some of y'all actually fairly recently on the gifts of the Spirit. And I've found that there isn't necessarily a disbelief uh, in the gifts. It's you just don't know what yours is or you don't know how to use it or how to figure that out. Or perhaps you've been turned off from the the gifts of the Spirit, right? Because you've seen uh, maybe a televangelist on TV perhaps faking or abusing the gifts, or perhaps you come from a background theologically that, that's perhaps known for that, th- that kind of thing. So there's, there's a level of uh, maybe mistrust when it comes to preachers talking about the gifts of the Spirit. Someone recently told me, I'm a continuationist on paper, but a cessationist in practice. What does that mean? It's I claim to believe in the gifts of the, uh, gifts of the, the Spirit outlined in Scripture, but I don't reflect that in my life right? Maybe that's perhaps some of you. But when pressed on it, he he claimed there's actually no desire in his heart uh, for the Holy Spirit or the gifts of the Spirit. And he said he had seen them manipulated um, and faked so much that the gift that God had given his church, the gifts that God gave his church to empower and build up his church had actually, in his mind, become uh, detestable and not something to be Desired. I can understand that to an extent. I come from a theological background that is, is known for uh, maybe perhaps misusing or abusing the gifts of the Spirit. So I understand a certain level of being disenchanted with, with quote, charismatic churches. However, I think to turn ourselves off to God's gift is missing out on an essential part of being a follower of Christ. To have the Spirit of God within us to go out, empowering us to go out and build his church. I want to tell you this morning, we cannot reach our coworkers without the Holy Spirit working in us. We cannot reach our family members who are far from, from God without the work of the Holy Spirit. We cannot reach this city, church, without the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. So, when I, I want to switch gears a little bit. What is your gift Many of you know what it is. Some of you may be wondering what your gift is and how you can figure out what it is. Um, You have a part to play in this family. We are better together and we need you using your gift alongside other brothers and sisters in Christ. And there are a few ways that you can find out what your gift is. I actually took an assessment in seminary. Did you know you can actually go online and take a spiritual gifts assessment if you just want to kind of know. But I think the best way to figure it out Um, Or one of the best ways is to talk to someone who knows you, your family, your friends, your pastor, someone who can identify gifts in you and see things in you that perhaps you can't even see in yourself. Or you can uh, try, right? Sounds simple, right? You can just try and figure out what your gift is, right? uh, It it actually, the Bible says that we can, can actually ask for gifts. Did you know that? You can ask God to give you gifts, I'm not saying he's going to give you that particular gift, but you can ask. It says in 1 Corinthians 12, 31, earnestly desire the higher gifts. And again, we can just try and figure out what our gift is. We can actively just uh, continue to serve God 
and seek to, to focus uh, and live a Christ-centered life, and sometimes you'll just find yourselves walking in a gift. I actually get to see this happen quite often in my job. It's pretty awesome, actually. Um, I get to see it. Uh, I got to see it in our young adults group a few weeks ago. There's a, a young lady here named Stacy Gruchala, um, and she's on our. our uh, she just became a fourth floor, and she's on our greeting team, and she's wanting to step in more leadership roles, but wasn't quite sure where she was going to fit in at or what her giftings was, and so I. I said, hey, we're teaching on Galatians um, in our young adults group. And so I gave her a passage of scripture and then I gave her a few weeks to study. And then we ended up comparing notes and then her notes were better than my notes on it. And I'm like, I'm in seminary. What the heck? And her notes were better. And then she teaches and she did a great job and she felt comfortable up there. And it was uh, very, very evident that teaching was one of her gifts. She was just willing to take a step of faith. I get to see this in in youth ministry. It is the absolute coolest thing ever. So uh, uh, I had this this vision of of students leading other students in worship on Sunday nights, Uh, right? But I obviously, I'm not musical in any way, shape, or form. I can't carry a tune in a bucket with four handles, all right? I just, I'm not good at singing. I know nothing about tech. I know nothing about worship or anything. But God just put this on my heart to do this, and so I needed students to step up. And a lot of these students had never in any capacity ever even been on a stage and led. Some of them had never played with each other. Um, We got two in particular that I want to brag on. They're actually, it wasn't even planned. They're actually on stage leading us today, uh, Jake Herbig on the guitar, and then we got Sam on the drums. And I remember when I first met them, they were very shy, and they wouldn't even, you guys wouldn't even talk to me. It was like, I was like, what the heck, guys? And they were just shy, and they were very reserved. They hadn't quite stepped into what their gifting or their calling was yet. And then they were unsure about the worship team. They weren't sure if they were leaders. They weren't sure if they could step into this uh, and lead a group of young, our group of uh, youth, and we pack this place out, and it's awesome. So the first couple of weeks, they were really shy and they were kind of reserved. But then fast forward, what ten months, and you got Jake Herbig up here, like and he swings his hair, like you know. I mean, he just—it's awesome. But he's really just begun to step into his gifting. He was willing to take a step of faith, right, and try. And then we got Mike Alexander. I mean, I could just list off so many people. I get a lot of credit for what he's been able to do with the youth worship team. And he was just willing to step up. And he's like, I don't know if I can do it, but I'm going to try. And then he did. And it was evident. He's got the gift of helps, administration, and leadership. Pastor Matt, oh my gosh, this dude planted it. Do you guys know how hard it is to plant a church? He's been in ministry for over 20 years. He built this church from the ground up, 20 some odd years in ministry, zero scandals. Do you know how hard that is? Right? And I'm sure he wasn't sure when he planted the church. Like, I don't know if I have the gift of leadership or not, but he was willing to take a step of faith and try. And then it is evident that he does. It never hurts to brag on your boss. Uh, So maybe you don't know what your gift is this morning, but I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you to talk to God. I want you to encourage you to ask him, but I also want to encourage you to try. Take a step of faith and try. And uh, we like to answer a question here at Rooftop, so what? Maybe you are wondering, why does this, this matter at all? Why are the gifts 
necessary. Perhaps maybe you are like the guy I mentioned earlier and you may be just really disenchanted with the gifts of the Spirit. But I want to shift the conversation a bit as to why they are important and what the gifts and the Holy Spirit do in the life of the believer and the body of Christ. So point number one, edify. The gifts and the Holy Spirit edify the believer in the church. So I'm about to put something up on the screen. I don't, maybe you want to take a photo of it or write it down. This is very important for you to get this morning. The gifts of the Spirit are not an end in themselves, right? They are tools we use to articulate the love and the power of God to all people. I'm going to say it one more time. The gifts of the Spirit are not an end in themselves, but they are tools that we use to articulate the love and the power of God to all people. God gives us spiritual gifts for the edification of the church, which means to build up right? The body of Christ. First Peter 4.11 says that God in all things may be glorified through Christ Jesus. So as God distributes his gifts among his people, his love, his power, and his wisdom then are displayed through the body of Christ, which is you. Let's look at this. First Corinthians 12.7, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for Living your best life now? No. For the common good. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. God has given us His Spirit to glorify Jesus Christ and to edify, build up, and to empower His church. The Apostle Paul exhorted the Corinthians that that edification is one of the main purposes of the gift. He said, since you're eager... For the manifestations of the Spirit, strive to excel in building up the church. The spiritual gifts are God's provision to equip his children, that's us, to minister to others. And again, the spiritual gifts are not an end in themselves, rather they're tools that we use to articulate the love and the power of God to all people. And that is your job this morning, to be the mouthpiece of God in this lost and broken world right? It's to be his reflection in a lost and broken world. And you need the spirit to do that. We need to be desperate for his spirit to edify and embolden us. And next, number two is exhort. Exhort. To exhort someone is to strongly urge or encourage them to do something. So the Holy Spirit exhorts us to live like Christ Jesus and to grow as Christians, as followers of Jesus. Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 6, but you were washed, you were sanctified, and you were justified in the same name, excuse me, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and in the Spirit of God. Just before Paul says this, he lists out a number of sins that some of us, actually perhaps all of us fit into at least one of these things. He lists these sins and he says, that's who you used to be. But now because of Jesus and the spirit of God that lives within you, you are no longer that. You are new, you are clean, and you are washed. Because of the cross of Jesus, the spirit of God within you exhorts you and it pushes you and it encourages you to turn away from your old life of sin and now walk in the spirit with Jesus. Paul says, walk in the spirit and you will not fulfill the desires of the flesh. The Holy Spirit within us exhorts us and gives us the ability to resist sin. 
and walk in communion with God. The Holy Spirit is what exhorts us to use our gifts. It's by the exhortation of the Spirit that we are moved and compelled to love our neighbor and and compelled, exhorted to pray for the sick and to share the gospel. Quick story. My mom was really, really sick when I was young. And a lot of people didn't think she was going to, to survive. There was this, this disease she had and nobody was really sure what it was. And there was no, currently at the time, there was no treatments for it. And I watched my mom at a young age dwindle down as a grown woman to 70 pounds. She couldn't eat anything. She couldn't hold anything down. Um, she couldn't move. She laid in bed all day long because any kind of movement would send her into a, an extreme vertigo attack. And I remember watching my, my stepdad as I'd be doing homework in like fifth grade, watching my stepdad pick up my mom and have to carry her to the bathroom to use the bathroom. All right, and I watched my mom dwindle down and whittle down to almost nothing. And then I remember me and my sister would wake up in the mornings and we would go run into my mom's room to make sure that she was still alive. That was the first thing we did in the mornings before we did anything else was go and make sure that my mom was alive. All right, and so there was a lot of people that didn't think my mom was gonna survive and a lot of people that didn't think my mom was gonna make it. But I watched people who were exhorted by the Holy Spirit to lay hands on my mom and pray for my mom. All right, and that was 15 years ago, and my mom is still kicking, all right? Amen. Go ahead and give the Lord a hand clap. And she is fully restored, and she is walking around, and she is driving, and she's doing everything that people didn't think that she would ever be able to do again. And it is by the power of the Holy Spirit. And if we turn ourselves off from the gifts of the Spirit and turn ourselves off from the Holy Spirit because we're spooked out... We are missing out on an essential part of being a follower of Jesus. Amen? Amen. Lastly, empower. The gifts empower us to fulfill our mandate given to us by Jesus. I could not do my job without this Holy Spirit empowering me. I really could not. I honestly, I'm not saying I could not get up here and teach you if it was not for the power of the Holy Spirit. All right? I, you can ask anybody. I'm like, I shake before I get up here and I'm nervous and I'm sure Miranda could hear me hyperventilating in that seat right there as I'm nervous before I get up. My stomach hurts, probably too much information, but I use the bathroom like three, four times before I get up here and I'm, you're going to see me run out. It's to go to the bathroom before next service. All right. I'm extremely nervous and I actually get kind of scared, but it's the power of God. As soon as I get up here, it's gone right? It's only by the power of God that I can even write this sermon. You know what my GPA was in college? 2.65, all right? I'm, I'm scared they're going to come and take my degree off the wall. I have that nightmare that someone from Murray's like, I have no idea how we let you have this here, and then take it off. But it's by the Spirit of God that I can sit down and His Word makes sense to me and then I'm able to articulate it to you. That is a supernatural thing that you're witnessing right now. I could not do this without the power of the Holy Spirit. So I want to quickly, in the remaining time that I have, I'm actually out of time, so let's do this quickly. Matthew 28, 18 through 20, Jesus is commissioning His disciples to go out and make disciples. Again, commissioning a group of teenage boys to go out and make disciples. That's an incredibly daunting task, right? It's hard for us to talk to our coworkers. It's hard for us to talk to our, our family members. And here Jesus is commissioning a bunch of young kids to go out. And they probably thought, I can't do that. 
What you're asking me to do is impossible. Maybe you feel that this morning as I'm talking to you. And you're like, you genuinely don't know me. I don't know how to go out and make disciples. I genuinely don't know how to build up God's church. I can't do it. And you're right. But look at what Jesus says. Matthew 28, 20. I am with you always. That's Jesus. (laughs) Jesus says that to you. I am with you always to the end of the age. The Spirit of God is within you. This is where the gifts come from. The Spirit of God working inside of you, empowering you to do the impossible task that he has placed in front of you. We are to make disciples. We are to shine the light of Jesus everywhere we go. We are to don the red tights, right? And band together with our brothers and sisters in Christ and save the world from the forces of evil. The task is daunting, but you are not alone. You have the Spirit of God within you, empowering you, amen? So as we close, I prefer to watch TV shows. This is like my second or third of, first of my second closings. I'm gonna close a lot here because I've got a lot left to say. I prefer to watch TV shows, right? Because I like to see the character development over time rather than in movies, but Matt actually pointed out that this uh, particular movie has a lot of great characters and a lot of great character development. Perhaps uh, you can relate to Bob, right? He's getting old, he's out of shape, he's having a midlife crisis, he feels like his best days are behind him. You've got Helen, the mom, who literally has to stretch to hold her family together. You've got Dash. He's a little ADD kid that like won't stop talking and moving and, and he's just going everywhere. And then you've got Violet, who's really bashful and quiet and unsure of the power that she has within her, right? But something happens in the movie that changes. Something in them changes. And then Bob, he's able to step into his role again as Mr. Incredible and lead his family. Uh, 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 Helen's able to hold the whole family together. Dash is able to go. And then you see Violet, who's the shy, bashful kid, pull her hair back, right? What happens in them that allows them to do this? It's they begin to start using their gifts. They begin to start using their gifts as a family. Once you start using your gifts together as a a family, you are going to find that you, like Violet, can pull your hair back. Or like Dash, you can just go. Or like Bob, you can find the motivation to get out of bed in the morning. Or like Helen, you can find the motivation as a mom to continue to hold your family together. It is only by the power of the Holy Spirit that you will be able to do this. If you're a follower of Jesus, here's my second conclusion. If you're a follower of Jesus, all right, I promise we're landing the plane. Go ahead and sit your seats back up in the upright position. We're getting there. If you're a follower of Jesus, he has given you his spirit to edify and to exhort and to empower you to work alongside other believers. And when you discover your spiritual gift, whenever you begin to walk in that, you're gonna see some amazing growth in your life and in the life of the local church. When you discover your gift and you don the red tights, right, and you band together, you're going to see a move of God here in your own life and here at Rooftop Church. And this may be some interesting language for you. Perhaps you're unfamiliar with it. We're going to sing another song about it. But we need the Spirit of God to fall fresh on us this morning. Do you want to see revival in this city? Do you want to see St. Louis saved? Do you want to see the 
family members in your life who are far from Jesus come to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior, it's going to take a family, right? It's going to take one body. So let's be the kind of church who live lives empowered and emboldened by the Spirit, equipped by the Spirit to be shining lights for Jesus and to build his kingdom. So let's sing one more song together about God's Spirit and let this be your cry this morning, amen?